our key note passage that we have in studying on covenant. We're going to just do a little bit of review. You guys had a blast last week with Pastor Cole, just enjoying him. He's just such a blessing. Amen? And uh, he'll always get you fired up and energized. But uh, Hebrews 13 and verse 20, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood. Everybody say the blood. Tonight we're going to talk about the blood. We're going to understand the blood. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Or the covenant that is outside of time. It's not restrained by time, not as affected by time. It is an everlasting covenant that we have with God. And last two weeks ago, we began talking about this, just illustrating it and showing how God works in our life. When we get saved, it's tied all the way back, as we said, to the everlasting covenant. And then last week, as we were finishing up, I would just I was talking to somebody, and the Spirit of God just showed me. Remember on the cross, and so I wrote it up here. I didn't want to erase it. On the cross, what did Jesus say? It is finished. What an amazing statement. So he just looks around and goes, it is finished. It just seems kind of vague. I mean, you're dying there and you just go, okay, it is finished. Okay, what is it? It is finished. Okay, so we just read it. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the chief, through the blood of of the everlasting covenant. But it's also called the covenant of redemption. And so before time, we're going to see before time began, God chose to redeem man. Redemption was settled before the fall. Okay? And what we read about is God, as you go all the way through, and with Adam, and then with Noah and Abraham, so all these little uh, parenthetical spaces where pieces of the covenant are revealed, but then Jesus said, redemption, the redemption is complete. So there's nothing more to be done. Where is Jesus? He is seated by the right hand of the Father. And so now all things are being fulfilled. And so we're waiting on. God's not doing anything else. But it says he's not willing that any, what, should perish. But all should come to repentance or all would just enter in. God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son. We're going to see this tonight too. That God's love is for all of humanity. There is no such thing as election or just a predetermined few. That doesn't fit in covenant. Because God loved all of humanity before every man, and all men came out of Adam, and all men have an equal right to salvation. Amen? And so we get some squirrely ideas, but most of them, and they're, they're nice thoughts, there's probably good in it, but a lot of them just aren't biblical. Amen? So we'll just hold on to the truth. Praise the Lord. So look at the cover of your outline. I need to do this before we jump into this. We need to hold on to some basics in our understanding of how God works in the earth or in time. Now remember, this line over here illustrates before time. And this line illustrates over here after time, okay? And so eternity is on both sides. You and I, we have this amazing problem of having to understand eternity in a mind that is confined in time. All we've ever known is time. 
And so it's hard for us to think outside of the parameters of time. And like I said Sunday, we want everything in a hurry. We want it now. So when it comes to the dream of God, when it comes to the plan of God coming to pass, why is it taking so long? As I said Sunday, when God said, I put it in you there for here, and that was 17 years later, that seems like, man, that's an awful long way to get about wanting to do something through somebody's life. Amen. But God has connected you. You have to understand the plan of God. He's Lord. He's directing it. We're just in agreement with Him that He wants to use us in His plan. That's exciting to me that the God of creation would want to even use us. I always get excited. What I think about like this. Out of the 7 billion people on the face of the earth, God wants to use me. That's crazy cool. That, is, that just always amazes me. That God, out of the sea of humanity, God wants to work through my He could choose anybody, but He wants to do something through my life. And He wants to do something through your life. That the God of the universe wants to work through your life is so exciting. I, I, I just never feel how people would wrestle with wanting to be used by God or being afraid. I'm just excited about it. Amen? So, but God, we, we need to have an understanding of how He works in time. Now, God's Word, His Word, everything He does, He does by His Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made by the Word. Amen? So the Word was before time. So we have His Word. God comes into eternity, or out of eternity, into time by His Word. God's entrance into time is through His Word. Are you with me? And, and that's what God, so, so you have to keep this in mind. This is eternity, and this is eternity, and this has no boundaries, no space. This has space to it. This has, it, it's a container. You can't put infinite into a container. Do you understand that? And, and so there's an amazing thing here. So how does infinity come into finite? How do you get the infinite one into a finite space, into a defined space? The undefinable one into a defined space. The way God brings His fullness into time is through His Word. Because His Word is a seed. And it contains all of Him. Are you with me? And so He brings that. And when we receive that. Now look at your outline, the second part. So God's Word is... is eternity's entrance into time. Man's heart is his dwelling place in time. Remember the psalm, God said, what place will you build for me? What dwelling place will you build for me? See, in the heavens are my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where can you make a building that I can fit? The, 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 the sarcasm there is, where can you, I don't fit, you could build the biggest thing you can. The earth is my footstool. If you built a building, I could stick my pinky in it. If it was the biggest building on earth, I might be able to get my little finger into the Taj Mahal. Do you understand what God's saying? And so when you think about God, the only place in time that contained the the fullness of Him is your heart. So God's Word is eternity's entrance into time. And man's heart, your little heart, your little spirit, is able to be His dwelling place. 
Because, God, look at God is spirit. And spirit doesn't have the boundary of time. Which is why the man with the legion, he said, How, who, who are you? He says, well, my name is Legion, for we are many. They're, so there's they're 6,000, over 6,000 spirits in one man. Spirits don't have, take up space. Okay? And so God ordained that man was created in such a way that he could contain spirit. You're a container for spirit. Are you with me? And so God makes us this amazing dwelling place for Him in time. Now man's heart is the only place that spirit can abide in time. Which is why the devil, who are disembodied in these demons, who are disembodied spirits, want to be in a person. Because they have no expression in time unless they can get in a vessel that was created to carry spirit in time. Are you with me? Yeah. And so they, so, so they want to have manifestation in the earth, but they have to be in a man or a woman to do it. Yeah. Are you with me? Okay. So, the Holy Spirit can manifest outside of a man's heart. We can see manifestations of the Spirit in, in different times and places, but He can only dwell in us. Yeah. Are you with me? All right. He can't live outside of man there. So the Holy Spirit would come in. I mean, God come down, you know, in the fire by night and the cloud by day and all that stuff. Okay, that's a manifestation. But it doesn't stay there all the time. So we'd see different times of manifestation. And then from now on, until we were able to be born again and, and regeneration, God would come upon the prophet and upon the kings and the priests and, and, and upon man from time to time. But he couldn't stay there because he couldn't reside there. And so there'd be temporary manifestation and the Spirit of the Lord would come upon them, but he wasn't dwelling in them. Are you with me? Okay. So... That he can manifest outside of a man's heart, but he cannot live there or abide there. That can only happen in a man's heart. So you are the dwelling place of God in time. That blows my mind. Do you understand that? That is so cool. The next time you just get bummed out about life or anything else, wait a minute. God. Born again. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. God lives in me. That's crazy. That is so exciting. Amen? That is just so exciting. So now, to understand the meaning of our existence, we have to ask the question, why did God create the universe and mankind? Why? Why did God do that? Okay. There was no pressure within God to create mankind. God was not lonely, nor was He incomplete. He is the complete one. He, he lacks nothing. Do you understand that? And so God, does, God did not create, well, God was lonely. No, that, that would make Him incomplete. Amen? It would make him lacking something in himself. He is the complete one in need of nothing. Amen. 
But, like we said two weeks ago, because he is love, love must have an object to give to. Love can only be expressed through giving. Love, the boy that says to the girl, I love you, is not giving, he's wanting to get. Amen? That's not love, that's lust. Love desires to give. Love, to be expressed, has to give. Love has no other expression except giving itself away. Love must be given. That's why if we love God, we love, we express our love. We give love. That's why it's called forgiveness. Love forgives. Love gives what it takes to restore relationships in love. Amen? All right. So there's no pressure within God to create mankind. He wasn't lonely, nor was he incomplete, but exists in eternal love within himself. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the way we've seen so far. He's infinitely complete within himself without need of companionship outside of himself. Some of we met some people who think they're like that, but they're really not. They're lonely people. They're lonely. Amen? But God was actually complete in Himself. Just complete. Perfection. Nor was there any pressure from outside of Himself to create, for He is the only one, nothing existing outside of Him. So here we come in contact with divine love. Divine love is the only possible explanation to the existence of the universe. God willed in His love to share His love with persons like Himself, someone capable of receiving and responding to it. So God says, in all that I am, in this mystery that's been hidden, in the word that I read, in all of this, the main thing I am is I am love. And I want to express my love. I got all these creatures around here, holy, 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 flying around doing crazy stuff. I got the wheel within the wheel. I got the things with the angels and the faces. I got crazy stuff. It's cool. Look, I can make something else weird. But all this stuff. He's got all the creatures of heaven. All these created beings and angelic hosts. Cherubims and seraphims and Stuff. Amen. But he has nothing created like himself that he can give his love to. That he can give himself away to. That could receive his love and in return give themselves back to him. So he has to create Someone in his likeness. With his same nature. With the same capacity to love like he loves. So he makes man in his own image. According to his own likeness. Not so we can be God. But so we can love. Amen. 
so we can love. Are you with me? So watch it. So creation is the overflow of the infinite love of God. He was willing to create a family who in turn would be caught up in the celebration of divine love. Now watch, there's so much that we do in humanity that is a direct reflection of what God desires with us. There's so much that drives on the inside of us that is part of what is driven. We're made in the image of God. It's what drove God. We'll see this in a moment. Now watch. So he was willing to create a family who in turn would be caught up in the celebration of divine love and so live the eternal life with God. Okay, because in the beginning, let's just kind of go back over here and let's leave time here. But Adam was made over here. Adam was actually, I, I don't even... Let's kind of do this. Adam was kind of made in here. And then Eve came along and she was made in there too. They were not in time. And they were clothed with the glory of God. They were eternal beings in the garden. No time. They, they, they were just like living in here. Ooh. Okay. But then with the fall, they get kicked out into time. Okay. I know it's kind of like a little pregnant eternity, but that's not what that is. Okay. But, but God, so, so you have to remember that Adam and Eve were created as eternal beings. And sin brought death. And death just simply means separation from God. Okay? Death, God says death. To God, death is anything outside of Him. Okay? So sin separated us from the life of God. Love, what God created us to be in with Him, in love and in relationship, the same way, which is why He said to Adam and Eve, I, I give you a man and a woman, and the two shall become one. So man was created to be one in this love relationship, in this family with God. That's why you and I, we are called the children of God. We are called the family of God. The household of God. Amen. There's a reason all those terms are in our Bible. Amen. Now, watch this with me. So, to live the eternal life with God. So let's talk about the terms of everlasting covenant. So God in Trinity purposed to create. I love this. I don't know what to do. This is so exciting to me. God, think about it. God creates man in his own image and likeness, a finite copy of himself, and therefore capable of sharing, <coughs> excuse me, the life and love of the Creator and being a part of the divine family. So there's something in us that's capable. 
And, and even what's amazing, it's what's so amazing, that when you get out of uh, civilization and you go to tribes and you go, there's an awareness of a God, there's a God consciousness in all of humanity, even without the gospel. They, they worship created and, and higher beings. So there's this awareness that, that we didn't get here. We had to get educated to throw God away. We had to become sophisticated and educated. And many times it's much easier to preach the gospel to the heathen, to pagans, and to show them the truth of the love and the power of God than it is to reach somebody who's too smart for their own good. Yes. Amen? And so with that. So here we are. We're created a finite copy of himself and capable of sharing the divine love to be a part of the divine family. We regain, listen, we regain or find for the first time our love for all humanity when we see ourselves as a creation of his love. We start loving people when we understand we were created to be loved by God. Everyone you look up here, you were a scoundrel before you got saved. Okay? Our righteousness, all our righteousness is this filthy rag. So whatever good you brought, it wasn't good enough. Amen? And what you have now is imputed to you. None of it's yours anyway. You've had righteousness. The righteousness of God, Jesus, has been made unto us. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. The righteousness we have is imputed to us in Christ. Amen. Amen. So for us to get all huffy-puffy, that we're better than anybody else, or to look down, well, look at him, I can't believe that. You're just a Pharisee beating on your chest. Thank God I'm not like that person. Amen. So we, we, we regain our love. <laughs> We regain our love for all of humanity when we see ourselves as a creation of His love. All of humanity, regardless of any current condition or station in life, is the object of His love. All of humanity. I don't care where they are. I don't care how far they are. My Bible says, Jesus says, there is one sin that will not be forgiven. That is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so it, 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 we, you can't comprehend it because you really can't comprehend love. But the person can repent. The vilest, most vile, debased person you can think of can repent because they were created as the object of God's love. Amen. All of humanity has the DNA of God's love on the inside of them. And we understand that, we get a larger heart for our world. In fact, it makes it a lot easier to witness to people when you love them instead of judge them. Amen. Amen. When you're not looking down your nose at them, but you're trying to lift them up to see the Father. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Amen. So think about it. He has set His love upon His creation. The existence of mankind is God's gift of love. Now, let me just put it in. So Adam and Eve, and then out of Adam and Eve comes what? All of humanity. The existence of all of humanity 
came out of the love of God. And it's God's gift of love. We must each soberly realize that our life is the gift of God's love. For God had no other reason to create except to give His creation, man and woman, the privilege. Everybody say privilege. Privilege. The privilege of participating in His life. God created us to give us the privilege He didn't need us, but He's love, and He needed to express love, so He created us so that we could be invited in to His life. Not just be something flying around saying, holy, 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 cool. But there's no exchange of love there. There's no giving and no receiving. Are you with me? Man, this is so good. For God had no other reason to create except to give His creation, man and woman, the privilege of participation in His life. Our existence is the free gift of His grace. Your existence, my existence, is the free gift of God's grace. Now think about it. Grace does not begin after sin comes in. Grace began, as we said last week, last time, grace began over here. Grace was established over here in Christ. Okay? Grace didn't begin in the garden. Okay? It isn't out here. Grace doesn't begin, okay, we're just okay, and then the moment I sin, okay, now grace is available. Grace has always been available. Grace was available before Adam and Eve made their first choice. Amen? Forgiveness is not given after transgression, but before. Let me just purpose it like this and and just tell. It makes it a lot easier to live with people when you choose just to live in love. When you choose to love people regardless of what they do. The reason, here's the whole big thing. The reason people can't forgive is because they can't quit taking it personal. I can't believe they did that to me. And so because you're personally upset and offended and that, amen. I'll never forget, I love Jesse DePlanis, one of the first times I heard him, he was talking about preaching on the streets of Baton Rouge, and he's down there preaching, and a little guy came up to him and said, I hate your God, and I hate you. Jesse goes, he's a little jockey boy about this big. And Jesse's only about this big. He's a little short guy. But he says, and Jesse, and and he said, and then he spit in my face. This is what I think about you, God, and this is what I think about you, Tua. And spit in his face. And Jesse said, I figured I could take him. He's just a little guy. (laughs) But he said, then God spoke up and said, hey, they spit in my face. That's right. See, so for us, we always lash back. And it's always that in, in defending, and the devil loves that. He loves that when you get offended and you move from love to uh, Because listen, listen, if you purpose to love like God loves, then you forgive. When you purpose to forgive, when forgiveness is settled before the offense takes place, you'll never carry offense very long in your heart. You'll be able to forgive. Amen. And what you do, you free yourself. This isn't about this is about you keeping keep yourself in the love of God. 
Jude said, beloved, beloved, keep yourself in the love of God, praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Because when you pray in the Spirit, the Holy Ghost isn't going to say, yeah, go ahead and slap them. The Holy Spirit will tell you, okay, forgive, love. Amen? Because Amen. that's the Spirit of God. That's the life of God in you. Remember, he, you're His dwelling place and His Word. And so how's He going to respond? Jesus, look at Jesus. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Can I just help you? When people treat other people wrong, they're not in their right mind. That's right. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Oh, they think, everybody thinks they do, but they really don't. Because if they knew they were sowing seeds that are going to bring about a consequence that's going to reap a harvest. Here's the other part. When you don't forgive people, you hold yourself connected to the harvest of that thing. You become a partaker with that seed. And you allow that seed of offense. And, and that all has a harvest to it. Amen? And so that, that's a temptation. Offense is always a temptation. Jesus had lots of opportunities to be offended. He just passed them all by. Amen? Amen. That, that's just a great way to look at it. Every time that comes up, just choose to pass it by. There will always be an opportunity to be offended, to be upset, to carry things. Just choose to let it go. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Besides, I hope you would do that for me. I need a lot of help. I offend a lot of people. Amen. So. <laughs> Amen. So I have to be very gracious. Amen. And love people. Just keep going. Amen. Because that's what God said. Look, it, it just says love. The love of God says, never forget it. Nothing you can do can ever make you love me less. Amen. Nothing you can do can ever make you love me more. I love you. God has set his love upon. Nothing we do changes that. He just loves us. Amen. And so if we can just work on loving people the way he loves us and living that life, I mean, no, that's powerful. Okay, so stay with me. So grace doesn't begin. And forgiveness is not given after transgression, but before. He chose in His love and grace to forgive us before we ever transgressed. Or in other ways, before we ever moved away from His love. All we're doing, God loves. And when we change our mind, we just move away from His love. We just step outside of that relationship. The basic definition, I love this, the basic definition of creation is this. Creation is the unnecessary action of God's omnipotence. Motivated by infinite, overflowing, and superabundant love that desires to share himself with the created being capable of fellowshipping with him or family. Now, just stop and, just stop and think about this. God created you and me so that we would be capable of fellowshipping with Him. Oh, man. Do you understand that? And, people, and, and, look, and then we do all this religious stuff. And we get all this form and all this. You were just created. What if, what if your family reunion looked like a church service? What if you had to have family fellowship and enjoy one another with all the prerequisites that we have for church. All right, just you guys. You know what I'm talking about? 
Oh, you have to you have to be this way. You have to act that way. You have to do like this. You have to do that. Wow. You guys are dysfunctional. Amen. <laughs> I mean, religion wrecks fellowship with God. Amen. And we, we, we get more caught up on, on all the stuff in the peripherals instead of a, God created. Do you get this? To be capable of having fellowship with Him. Wow. So get this. God desired a family. That's what He's after. God wanted a family. Now watch this. The same need for expression, for the expression of love is within us. And drives us to find or seek a mate, a life and a life and love companion. Everybody, we have that. We drive, we're driven towards companionship. Amen. Even in the homosexual community, it's perverted, but they're driven towards this family. It's twisted from original intent, but something in them still needs a family. And if we don't learn how to love properly, we will judge the perversion instead of being able to rescue them with love. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So what? And everybody go, well then do we embrace, or do we do that? Oh, God embraced you. Amen. Now, I'm just going to say this. Because sometimes we have an aversion to certain sins and activities because it's so beyond anything you would ever be capable of seeing yourself doing. It's too debased, too weird, too far out there. But that doesn't mean it's a greater sin than your sin. Sin is sin. There's no no chart. Jesus said like this. He says, those that died, of those that the, that the Tower of Siloam fell on, do you think they were worse sinners than anybody else? Nope. Jesus says, I tell you this, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Amen? Jesus, the, the Bible breaks it down like this. It, it, it doesn't just say, yeah, it, in there it says homosexuals, and all this, but it starts with all unbelievers. Just the sin of unbelieving is grouped in with lying, with fornicators, with homosexuality, with adultery. With it's all lumped together. Do you understand? But what the devil does and what religion does, we categorize sin. And so we have the biggies. The biggies. Did you hear so-and-so did a biggie? I'm going to have to shun them. Because they've committed a biggie. I pray you never commit another sin in your life. I know. And so that's why 1 John says, if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so that's why the blood and forgiveness and continual fellowship with God. Amen. Sin. This is the only thing I can tell you guys. This is what I know. I can't find it any different in the Bible. This is the cross. The Bible just says the wages of sin 
is death. And sin before Calvary and sin after Calvary is the same. And your eternal security is abiding in Him. Eternal security is if we abide in Him. But the wages of sin is death. Amen. So just stay in fellowship with God. Walk in love. Look at the two greatest commandments are what? Love God and what? Love people. What kind of people? Everybody. People who don't do certain things. People who've never done certain things. People. Amen. They could be ISIS. They could be gay. They could be anything. Just love them. Amen. Hallelujah. So, wow. So, God desired family. And so we all have that. We seek that. We got on that out of that seeking family. Okay, write, write, write this out. Let, let, let me just give you this definition of grace. I put it in the margin of my Bible. I didn't give it to you. Write it on the back of your outline if you have a pen. See, because grace doesn't begin after sin comes in. So I was doing this. God just reading back over my lesson this morning. God spoke this to me about grace. I've had different definitions, but I felt the Spirit of God say this. Grace is God's predetermined love for His creation. That's all grace is. God's predetermined love for His creation. And it's His power, His provision to redeem us back to Himself. Grace is God's power working in us to redeem us back to Himself. It is His will expressed in love before creation. Grace, God willed to love us, and His grace, we're saved by grace. The power of His grace equips us, enables us to work in our life, and it's what He predetermined to do. Are you with me? So grace is God's predetermined love for His creation. He, he determined it, predetermined, before it happened, before it came to pass, He chose. Now, let me just give you that. Uh, Love, and, and, and this is what helps us, because love is centered in the will. Love is not an emotion. Love has nothing to do with how you feel. Love is will. Amen. I, God said, I will love my creation. I will set my love upon them. And once He willed to love humanity, He can't change that. He can't alter or change anything that He says. I will never alter or change the word that's gone forth from my mouth. If God says it, it is an unchangeable fact. When we got the word, it's unchangeable. It's immutable. Are you with me? So God declares that. And so you and I, when we choose to love out of our will, everything begins to change. Amen? Amen. Now, there's a difference between love and liking. There's a lot of people I love that I don't like a whole lot. Amen? They say, man, I love you, but you're making it really hard to like you right now. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay. But just be careful... 
it's a fine, that's a razor's edge right there too. Amen? Yeah. All right. So stay with me. Stay with me. All right. So we're saved and connected. Now watch this. So to begin and create our own family, that's within us. The creation of family, get this, starts a bloodline. You see that? Creation of family starts a bloodline. It also starts a line of authority. That's why we have a... I don't know if I can... I I hope I don't make you mad. But maybe it'll help. (laughs) When your children get married, they started a new bloodline. And that marriage creates a new line of authority. And you're no longer an authority in their life. And you need to get out of their bloodline. You are now a spectator, not a participant. Huh? Yeah. (laughs) Well, no, you just tell them I'm out. My kids say, what do you think? I said, I don't have any thought. I'm a spectator. I'm not involved in this. You established a new line of authority. Amen. Which means I'm also no longer accountable for you. I'm not accountable for you. Do you understand that? That's a line of authority. It's a bloodline. Amen. All right. Well, whether you believe me or not, you just operate in any way you want. Amen. We're saved and we're connected by virtue of the blood. Now watch that. All of humanity shares a common thread of spiritual DNA that connects them to and proves that they are the children of God or that He is the legal Father and carries the responsibility for our lives on every level. Let me just back up a minute. As parents, our job is to train our children to grow up and become responsible, not to be prolonged dependents. Amen. And if you cross that bloodline, you only strengthen their dependency. You're not helping their independence. We're doing all right? You get mad at me later. My email's on the front of the outline right here at the bottom. You can write me your comment. (laughs) Amen. I've been doing this long enough, guys. I just tell you, I watch it all the way around. The healthiest thing you can do for your, life, for your children is to early teach them to be responsible. Yep. My kid said, when can I have a phone? I said, when you have a job. Exactly. And you can pay for it and deal with all that. We, we're, we're over, overindulgence is not helping our children. We have a generation. We have two generations that have grown up that have been overindulged. Amen? Over and over. We're just not happy. You need to teach them to grow up and establish their bloodline and be responsible. I tell them, be successful. I'm coming to live at your house. <laughs> Amen. I have seed. I'm coming back for harvest. Amen. Glory to God. So what? Amen. So watch this. Stay with me. We're going to have to tie this up. All humanity shares that common thread of spiritual DNA that connects them to and proves that they are the children of God or that He is the legal Father and carries... Get this. He is the legal Father of all of humanity. God is the legal Father of all of humanity. Isn't it amazing that we have laws 
that try to get fathers to be responsible for their offspring and to be held accountable. Isn't it amazing that if your minor child breaks a window, you pay. Wow. Because they're your bloodline and you are their parents. And you carry responsibility for them. Amen? All right. It's amazing how our laws prove the word in that. So he is a legal father and carries responsibility for our lives on every level. Now, let me just take this. That's why we pray because he carries, he's involved. God's involved. He cares about your health. He cares about your salvation. He cares about He's taking responsibility. You're His children. Amen. And we're in His love. And, and we're going to be the children of God with Him. He's going to be our Father and we are going to be His child. Amen. Amen. Right. He's never going to kick us out. For us, it's a little different in God. Are you with me? But let, let me just back up. He's the only one who is El Shaddai. Yes. Amen. You are not El Shamam or El Shaddad. <laughs> Amen. You need to teach them to know El Shaddai. Yes. Amen. Because you need to bring them into a relationship with their Heavenly Father. Amen. And your relationship with them helps them to see the Father's love. Are we doing all right? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so he is responsible for our lives on every level. This is why we can plead the blood. Amen. We have a bloodline with God. So when we call upon his name, we're saying, hey, God, I need help. Just like your kids. Mom, Dad. What are they doing? They're pleading the blood. Amen. Are you getting this tonight? All right. Stay with me. So the gospel is God's love letter to his children that are lost in the world of sin to come home. For the Father loves them and is waiting for them to return. You know, I think about our missionaries and people that are overseas going all around the world. That's why Jesus said, go, this is the gospel. Now go into all the world and make disciples. Go tell everybody God loves them. Go tell everybody. That they're part of the bloodline of God. Amen? And God's created them to be in fellowship with Him. Amen? And people, everywhere you go, people all over the world will receive the gospel. Now get it. Covenant is the highest form of expression in a love relationship. Covenant is the highest form of expression in a love relationship. Because covenant is a swearing to your own hurt. A covenant is made in a bond of your word to never change. It's to swear to your own hurt, even your own death. It's the highest form of expression in a love relationship. That's why marriage is called a marriage covenant. Amen? God made covenant and established His bloodline. God made covenant with man. The covenant was made before man came into play. And God established that. And that is how it happened. He purposed to permit, though, sin to enter creation. This is hard. 
for mankind to have the capacity to be able to respond to His love with love and obedience to His command, they must have a free will. Please underline that in your outline. Man must have a free will. Get back over here and you get into eternal security and predestination and, and the elect takes free will out of the choice. They say, well, Jesus does it all, we didn't do it. Yes, God did it all. He did it all for us before it began, and He did it for all of humanity. Every man, woman, and child, every person on the face of the earth was determined in God's will to be saved. Man, all of creation, every person that would ever come out of Adam, every human being that would ever go out of that union and, and the propagation of the earth from Adam and Eve and forward was created in the love of God. And under this covenant of redemption. Amen? Oh, yeah. So, but love cannot be pre-programmed into a person, nor can it be imposed. You can't make somebody love somebody. It has to be a choice. See, nobody made God love. God chose to love us. Do you understand that? Yeah. God perfect in Himself, but He chose to love us, and He created us to be the object of His love, the recipient of it. So, love must be the free choice of the heart. Which means we must purpose in our heart to choose to love Him. That's why we choose God. God said, choose you this day. Amen? So God, here, here I'll show myself to you. Now choose me. God's always asked man to make a choice. There's always a choice involved in coming to God and responding to His love. So in order to fulfill, get this point, in order to fulfill His purpose of love, he who is the only free will must freely introduce another free will into existence. But God's the only one. Before man, there was no other free will, just God. The devil didn't have a free will. That's how he got cast down. That's right. Amen? The angels, they don't have, they're, they're created to do this. The seraphim and the cherubim, there's no free will. They're, they're created to a purpose. That's all they do. They, they fulfill that purpose. But man has this free will. Amen. We came by choice and we returned by choice. We came into existence by choice. God chose to create it. And we returned to Him by choice. Amen. So what? Man must be created with a will that is completely free to choose to respond to His love with loving obedience, or choose to divorce himself from God and demand independence. We exercise our will prolifically. Amen. In all things. But God created us in a way that we could choose to respond. Listen, isn't it amazing? God sets Adam and Eve in this perfect place of the garden, sets them in the garden, in perfection. And then he goes, okay, guys, um, isn't this cool? Look at this beautiful garden. Oh, spin around. He goes, look at this garden. Isn't this awesome? So in the middle of this garden, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a blackboard. 
So God says this. He sets Adam and Eve in this garden, and in the middle of this beautiful garden, he does this. Tree number one. And tree number two. And he puts Adam and Eve there, and the devil comes in as Monty Hall. And says, let's make a deal. Okay? This is number one. This is number two. God says, you can eat anything from this tree. Number one's cool. Number two, no. No. Okay? In the day you eat, you shall die. But man's given a free will. And he has a soul. He has a mind. Man became a living soul. He has mind. He has will. He has emotion. And so the devil comes and appeals to man's soul, not to his spirit. And man, out of his soul, makes a non-spiritual decision. Amen? And separate. But it's free will. So God, in this perfect place, he puts Adam and Eve there and goes, Hey! Here you are in this cool eternity. And so the only purpose of a choice is to exercise will. There's no such thing as free will without a choice. And God says, I... Look, let me just take it back to the beginning. God says, I choose... To love my creation. And I'm asking my creation to choose to love me. But the only way they can do that is if I give them the freedom to choose to not love me. Amen? And which is why this is one thing God will never violate. Is a person's will. And you and I can't pray against it. We can't alter it. Once you start messing with people's will, you're not being spiritual. You're operating in witchcraft. Okay? Because that is, that is control. Okay? The devil is a controlling spirit. Okay? And he takes control of you against your will. Which is why the Holy Spirit... There's an I, R, and okay. The Holy Spirit always operates by choice. The Holy Spirit will never make you prophesy. Holy Spirit will never make you speak in tongues. Holy Spirit will never make you operate in the Word of Will. Holy Spirit will never make you do anything. He asks you to choose to let Him flow through you. He asks you to submit your will to His will. The devil controls. Are you with me? He controls. So God's love, in love, love always flows out of choice. When I love God, I'm choosing, yes. 
Holy Spirit, yeah, pray through me. Pray in the Spirit. Let the Spirit pray through you. Let your words of knowledge, let words of wisdom. Yes, yeah, I choose. I desire, desire spiritual gift, desire to prophesy, desire to have the living water flowing through your life. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Is this helping anybody tonight? Absolutely. Amen. So let's finish with one more point. So in order to fulfill his purpose, free will had to be brought into existence. Man must be created, point D, with a will that is completely free to choose to respond to his love with loving obedience or to choose to divorce himself from God and demand independence. Actually, it is impossible for the creature to be independent of the creator. Because he is dependent on the creator for the breath with which to announce his rebellion. See, we have in us the breath of life. Isn't that amazing? I, I know Bill Cosby had a fall, but he sure, sure was a funny guy. And I remember one of the things he said. He said, you know, his kids used to rise up and rebel. He said, hey, I brought you in. I can take you out and make another one that looks just like you. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that cracked me up. Amen. Amen. But that's the See, our kids rise up. I don't like this. I like. You wouldn't have anything to like if it wasn't for us. Amen? Amen. Good thing you're here. I'll bless you. I'm glad you have that attitude. Amen. Hallelujah. So, man's illusion of independence, I'll end with this one, is in seeking meaning in himself. Everybody who wants to be free of God is only trying to find meaning in themselves. We don't want to find our identity in God. We want to find our identity in ourselves. Becoming a self for himself. Something opposite of God's choice. One last scripture. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 10. Now think about this verse in light of everything we've said tonight. For we are His workmanship. You're His creation. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Well, I think my works, I think I could come up with better works than what God designed for my life. I'm a self for myself. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Predestination. God knew you were coming. He put you in His plan. There's purpose for you to fulfill. And He gives you a choice. That's what's been so cool as I've studied this over the years and find out when I started understanding seed and understanding ministry and how that works. God just puts it in you. He puts it in there. It, 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 it come, it's the bean thing I did Sunday morning. You got the bean and you got the stuff. and the, It's in the bean. Yep. It, it's predetermined in there. 
He, he created you, and the works are in you, and if you just plant your life in Him, what He put in you comes out. You don't have to figure it out. I, well, I wish I knew it, God's will. It's in you. His will is in you. That's right. We're trying to reach for it, discover it, define it, get a, you know, see somebody else doing something. That looks like God's will for my life. <laughs> if I was like that, if I did that. And we chase out. Wait, no, you're, His will is in you. You're a seed. The assignment is there. You were create, prepared before you that we should walk in them. Amen. Go out and ask an oak tree, how did you get here? Well, I used to be an acorn. Amen. And I, I, was just, I, I found out I was in the acorn. That mighty oak was in the acorn. You know what's the coolest of all? Is a sequoia redwood. Do you know how many, I forget how many hundreds of thousands of sequoia seeds can be placed in a one pound coffee can. They are so, they're just, they're like mustard seeds. They're almost infinitely small. But yet they grow, that little itty seed has that assignment on the inside of it. And that's what God created you and me. In His love, He created all that purpose in us. And then us and ourselves goes, I think I could do better than that. Dude, you had a redwood tree inside of you. You barely made a bean sprout. You know, we do, we, we do, see, because look it, look it. God put the seed of life in us. And that is eternity. And everything we create out of our soul is Temporal. Nothing we create out of ourselves has any eternal lasting effect to it. It all ends. I don't care. Bill Gates is dying and everything he has is staying here. Zuckerberg is dying. Warren Buffett is dying. Jobs died. They're dead. They're gone. Everything they built is here. And Solomon said, it's vanity because we build up kingdoms and we leave it to our children who squander it away. And so when we purpose in ourselves, when we say yes, we use our will and we turn back on God's love, we turn to temporal things instead of eternal things. Father, tonight I thank you.